Yeah. <laughs> Hello, this is another fun trigger warning to start the episode. Just to let you know, we talk about murder, um, sexual assault, abuse. I can't really remember what else. It's all quite bad stuff, so if you're not looking to get into that if you're not vibing with that we go into quite graphic detail about physical injury not really the kind of thing you want to be listening to if you're not in the mood so maybe go listen to one of our other episodes we've got, we've got a little lockdown sleepover we've got a fun politics episode we've got loads so go check them out um and yeah enjoy this episode also count the amount of times that i say awful um, within this episode because it is astronomical <laughs> also I found a new word that I love astronomical anyway on with the podcast have fun enjoy peace out you look so good babes you literally look so good I feel like shite okay so <laughs> um hello welcome Hi. Welcome, welcome. Hope you've all had a great week. How's your week been, Beth? Awful. How's your week been, Rachel? (laughs) I actually thought, like, my Zoom called Frozen or something then, because you were like this. (laughs) For a solid five seconds, I was like, well, (laughs) goodbye, internet. (laughs) No, just goodbye, sanity. Oh my goodness, so what's been happening? I've just been doing a lot of um, sleeping and crying first thing in the morning because I just really hate the state of the world at the moment and I think, I mean, it it probably goes for everybody but this quarantine and this lockdown is really killing my mental health and my stability. Thank you, I am. (laughs) I sound really like not sympathetic at all but i am sympathetic it's okay rachel care. deals with this like if you're listening to this and it sounds like rachel is fed up it's because she deals with me on a daily basis well <laughs> as when you decide to respond to my messages <laughs> but we're not gonna go there because that's a sore subject that's the depression rachel <laughs> i need you to commit to i really do need to start committing i actually start these need to start replying do you know how long my phone has been off probably like three years it has been off since i think the start of the lockdown let me see when i last had a text from you because literally it would have been like last year hold of you like on messenger or instagram or something like that i'll try to phone you like in like the old-fashioned way or i'll try to like actually text you but it's like you just don't have a phone like there's no point I text your dad more than I text you. <laughs> You're the my last dad, time a truly geez. Me actually was the tenth of April, but then before that, it's literally the purple Nothing. ones are me. <laughs> it's absolutely. The purple nothing. ones are still me. Um, oh look, it's me again. Oh look. Oh no, you messaged me on the first of April because it was April Fool's Day. Um, and to be fair, I do ring you sometimes in between those yeah. messages, but not a lot yeah so for anyone that personally knows us and thinks beth is being rude she's not i'm i was just self-isolating before this started like i was self-isolating since 2016 you know self-isolating doesn't mean you can't text people you're not going to get corona via text (laughs) yeah but i might get 
rejected and abandoned by text. If I get rejected and abandoned, you don't respond. Anyway, That's moving true. on. Moving on. Sore <laughs> subject. Let's. That's the beef podcast sorted. <laughs> Have you had a positive to your week, Bess? No. That <laughs> 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 look of concentration just to say no, no. I haven't. Although I have started since yesterday, I've started I've started learning French and I've started my 30-day letter writing slash yoga challenge. I was gonna ask you how your 30-day letter writing that was so slow well writing challenge is going it's going pretty well i've only written one letter but that's because it's only been one day and i've also haven't done yoga yet but that is gonna happen so (laughs) it's more of like a a 30 day letter writing 29 day yoga challenge but it's fine that's fine it's fine fine. if it slips into june it slips into june there's nothing wrong with that exactly and i've started i've started um learning french on duolingo i started learning italian on duolingo do you remember (gasps) no oh my god it was like it was when i finished college like while i was looking for a job what i started to do with my unemployment was learn italian i didn't get far i i can say um Bonjour. Bonjour. Uh, les mange. Manger oh, les. Where are you going with this? Because I know what that means. That it means eat. <laughs> les manger et pussy. No. <laughs> That's les what man... I thought you were just gonna. <laughs> because in Italian it's les mange. Mine's. I think it's les mange. Les mange, but then they've got les mangers. As well, but I don't know because what that Because they have the does. female and the male, and I that's why I hate European languages. Yeah, I don't get that. Stop gendering things that don't need to be gendered. Um, le mange et orange. No, le mange et orange. That's what I know. Woo! I don't you. I you know what this. I learned? And I, when we went out um, for drinks on results day last year, I actually told Molly some of my Italian that I've been learning while she was away. Yes, Queen. And, um, I said, oh, I know so much because we were having a drink. We went to the pub. I went, look, I, I could say this in Italian. La donna bevino. And she's like, what does that mean? It's like the women drink. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I know. La donna bevino. La donna. That's, I think that should be your stripper name. La donna bevino. You are the female drink. La donna bevino. La donna Bevin, Bevin, Bevin. I could be the voice for Jill. Like, La donna Bevin. La donna Bevin. Whenever they do that voice thing on you, if you have Duolingo, it's so funny. Like, they do the voice thing, and I have to, I'm like, sorry, what? So, and it's like, right, what this person just said. And I'm like, sorry, I'm dyslexic, one, and two. The person <laughs> literally just goes, hello, what's going on They're like, right, what I just said. And then they slow it down, and they're like, le. Bonjour, mademoiselle. And they speed up and they're like, Le thank you very much. <laughs> it's like that bit in Friends, though, isn't it? Where Susan's trying to teach Joey French. She's like, Je, je, ma, ma, m'appelle. Belle. Je m'appelle. You've made me really think that I really want to get back into Italian. I don't know why Do I stopped it. I think I just got out of the habit of it. 30 day challenge starts today. Do some Italian, babe. I do work full time, babes. I mean, oh. I can't speak English most days. Yeah, well, I'm dyslexic and I'm still learning French. Get on that. 
Okay, it's not it's <laughs> competition. I'm more hard on my you don't understand. I'm so <laughs> present. <laughs> oh, so what we're we gonna be talking about today, Beth? Because I feel like we've just completely rambled. So that's a lovely introduction we have there. Um murder. <laughs> Woohoo! Well, true crime murder. Because a bit of murder. I've Cheeky got, murder. I because my I'm gonna talk about two because <gasps> I love really? it. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about um, one and one of them has confirmed murders. The other one's uh, like a... Murders? Are you doing a serial killer? Mm-hmm. <gasps> I, I'm not going to lie, but if you're just a singular murderer, waste of time, might as well do multiple. Might as well be a serial killer. I like it. Wait, what's that thing that was on BuzzFeed where it's like, I like it when serial killers have their little thing. What like they have the different like how they kill people? Yeah, they have a, they have a they little thing. I like it when serial killers have yeah. a little thing. It's true, and I don't like serial it killers. We, just to preface this before we get into it, we don't like serial killers. We don't think murder Wait, is funny. Exactly. This no, is this is but basically it's really a, interesting. Yeah, it's so interesting. We basically the reason we've done this is because we've listened to a podcast called My Favorite Murder. You probably know it's very famous. Um, we love it it's amazing it kind of is what gave us the idea for this podcast as well as us just being comedy gold um and we kind of doing it in the format of that podcast all credit goes to them we're basically just copying all of their work but we do love i've forgotten their last names karen and georgia but i've forgotten their last names karen kilgariff and georgia hardstark thank you babes um and we (laughs) we love their podcast it's amazing and as yes. they say on their podcast, we do not condone murder. We do not find it funny. We're not laughing at the victims. We just like, find it so... I, I, like, I've been researching, and the reason why I'm a bit late to record, sorry about that, is rude. because I was so deep into my research that I'd like entered this whole other world of thinking murder's okay. Obviously, it's not okay. <laughs> no. but, but like where it's like normal, and I was like, I found my people. <laughs> Literally, I well, the, what I'm doing is really. I don't know whether yours is like not cool, but it's like more of a light-hearted murder. If you can have a light-hearted murder, um, mine's no, really depressing. My, my my second one is. Oh, it's gonna. We're gonna, gonna put blow. so many trigger warnings. I'm so excited. At the beginning of this. It's it's. I I really wanted to look into ones that weren't that popular, but all my favorite ones are popular ones. See, I've done one that's quite like not popular. It's quite underground. It's an underground murder. Well, maybe because I've got two and you've got one. Yeah. Do you want to do it so I do one, you do one, I do one? Yes. Sounds like a plan, okay. Stan. Sounds I'm like ready. a plan, Stan. Is there anything so, else you want to say before we get into it? I don't think so. No, I'm just. I'm so really excited. excited to get into it. I'm, I'm really excited ex- to oh hear yours. I'm excited to hear yours. I feel like, to be fair though, mine are british ones so maybe like people in like america and elsewhere as well wouldn't have heard of them um and also if you like this and you do want a part two and a part three and a part four let us know because i made a list of my favorite murders and it just goes on and on stop (laughs) and i feel like netflix really feeds into my murder addiction because that's such there's so many documentaries mate netflix i mean in quarantine like if i can suggest you any documentaries if you want if we want to put a list of like our favorite murder documentaries on the instagram please go check it out you can find us at bb underscore podcast on instagram we will post our favorite murder documentaries so you can watch them because they are so good not 
not just murder, but true crime. Because yeah, true I crime. can't get comfortable. I can't decide how. I'm just so excited. I'm restless. Oh, so it's just so pumped up, full of energy. Oh my god! Right, okay. I'm ready to so, hear the big reveal. Okay, so this will be no surprise to anyone who's <laughs> listened to our previous. Episodes, I already know what this one is. But my first one. So it's not a murder, but it kind of is. Well, Madeline McCann. Woo! <gasps> I am obsessed with the disappearance of Madeline McCann. Okay, I, obsessed, I but like you, you think you're Madeline McCann. When I was younger, I was convinced <laughs> I was Madeline McCann. I dyed my hair and got glasses just to disprove myself. Um, <laughs> but no, I've been weirdly obsessed. And when I say obsessed, I mean obsessed. Every news story, even up to today, I will um, read or listen to or watch. Yeah. I'm so obsessed since she disappeared. So she disappeared in, she was a three, four year old girl. He disappeared on holiday in 2007 oh around God. that time how old were you you were, were you seven i was six i was six at the time i think i was seven yeah so oh but she was she was a really pretty little girl you know she had blonde hair and blue eyes and she was absolutely gorgeous her parents um were doctors i think they still are doctors mm. and she had twin baby siblings at this point and they'd gone on holiday in Portugal with some of like her friends' parents who like had kids as well. So it's kind of like a massive like group holiday thing. Yeah. And basically they were staying on this little resort thing and there was a restaurant where you had to like walk out of where the apartments were and then you walk sort of back into the resort. Yeah. But it was quite far away from where the apartments were. Yeah, I've seen a documentary and it's like I can just, all I can visualise is the documentary, like the reenactment of it, where yes. they've got like the. <laughs> yes, I can see it. It's just, in my oh head. My Even though I've never been there, I can just visualise it so vividly. Visualise it so vividly. Oh my God. So, um, yeah, so it's like a little like Taverna restaurant thing. And it kind of became a common thing that each night they put the kids to bed and all the adults would go have dinner and drinks at this little Taverna. Mm-hmm. Um, and one adult, each night we take it in terms of check the child, all the children, not just Madeline and the twins. Yeah. Um, check them every half hour, 45 minutes, something like that. So Ooh. we come to the night in question. Kate and Jerry, that be the names, and Jerry. decide Jezza. that Jezza, <laughs> Edna, <laughs> Jezza Kyle. Um, <laughs> well, so on this particular night, a female friend actually did the first check on the children i think she noted that the window was open but the kids were there right so so madeline was in like a single bed and then the twins were in travel cot because they were still babies yeah um so she she noticed that the window was open but she didn't notice anything else so she like puts her head around obviously it was dark didn't see anything out of the blue left it Mm. yeah do the twins have any recollection i don't know you probably know better than i do but do twins have any recollection of like madeline go like what do they did they say anything on it or? no because they were literally like 18 months old or something or That's maybe two crazy. years old so and they were asleep they stayed asleep the whole time also i don't know whether you're going to remember this or not but like this is complete like this is related but it's going off on one <laughs> so, so sorry to interject yes but do you remember in drama when we had to b- come up with a performance on madeline mccann yes 
and oh we, but God. we couldn't show her disappearing. We had to show, like, we sh- couldn't show what yeah. happened. We had to just show the before, like, and when, the after. Yeah, yeah, and the after. I remember that. And it was so and that, like, weird. Fed into it so good. Like oh that addiction, God. like side. <laughs> that was my favorite drama project, and. Oh, that's such a weird concept to have like oh let's let's make let's do a drama performance on madeline mccann like what a weird well they have so got famous. that musical about 9 11 haven't they yeah yeah it sounds really wrong but it's it is really like heartfelt and lovely yeah. and warming it, it's not like but trust let's sing about the terrorists <laughs> <laughs> i thought trust, <laughs> trusting like some year like nine tens with madeline mccann when it's already such a joke was not a good idea on our teacher's behalf the no, amount no. of like insensitive stuff that went on at that. it was so sensitive and i i remember being in my group like come on guys we gotta give this justice we gotta give this like three four year old justice and everyone else was like messing yeah. around saying and oh it's just anyway back to back to your murder sorry so i think it must have been kate who noticed that madeline was gone and she she so if you've watched the disappearance of madeline mccann i'm basically retelling on netflix it's a it's a docuseries on netflix um and basically she ran back to the taverna without waking up twins or getting them up in case you you know this kidnapper came back or and not even just like the twins but like the other kids yeah anyway so she ran back to the taverna and she went madeline's gone or somebody no she says somebody's taken madeline and that is something that is really heavily disputed because a lot of people like well why how would she know somebody's taken madeline how do they know that madeline's not just like wandered off or something why is she immediately saying somebody's taken madeline that's such a weird uh, and it's like there's definitely a thing as is as well when um people like um certain people listen to 911 calls and they're trained to like tell the signs of like guilty yeah. people and all that so it's such a weird it's just weird. Like somebody's taken Madeline. How would you know? And also, why would you mm. not get the twins up? Why would you not get them out with you and take them with you? Because I would not yeah. want to leave my children if one of them's gone missing. Exactly. Um, so obviously, you know, they find the police. They do all like the appropriate stuff and blah blah blah. Um, and everything's sort of done, but very quickly mm. the fingers are pointed towards the parents. Yeah. Um, this is very controversial. We would love to know your opinions because I. I feel quite strongly about my theory. Yeah. So basically, both the parents are doctors. Yeah. You know, it's quite understandable. My mum actually used to do it to me because of my anxiety when I was older than Madeline, but I had quite severe anxiety and I wouldn't sleep. So my mum would give me cowpole or whatever we had in the cupboard yeah. that had a drowsy effect that would help me sleep. I can completely understand, and I think most parents can understand that if you want to go and have dinner with your friend, you want your child to go to sleep so you can just go out, right? So I can understand her doing something similar to what my mum used to do to me, which is another, like, complex into why I think I might be Madeline, (laughs) because my mum used to drug me to get me to sleep. (laughs) Um, So, and my mum believes this theory wholeheartedly as well. Um, So the theory kind of is that Kate or Jerry or both accidentally overdosed her um on a drowsy medication and then they didn't tell anyone 
and was the fairy tale. Because there was a, um, just going from the documentary, there was a witness sighting of a man um, carrying yeah. like a like a bundle of clothes or a bundle like a child or something like that a like a, bl- a child wrapped in a blanket and it looked like madeline's and the, like, the sketch like yeah the sketch of the man on the beach looked exactly like jerry mccann yeah exactly like the build everything yeah. but i think it was a sighting by um somebody who lived in that town yeah so the and it was being investigated by english um detectives and reporters as well as portuguese yeah so you know may some bits may have got lost in translation but it did look a hell of a lot like maddie and jerry although just to play um the like other side of it from what i've seen on the documentary it was really mishandled by the portuguese police and i can imagine oh my god yeah i can imagine like as a parent how awful it would be one to lose your child and your child's go missing you cannot like judge a parent on how they behave and how they act when they are traumatized and also but like also if they had killed madeline or accidentally killed madeline even if it was like an accident like if they Mm. had done it of course they would be sad and traumatized by that as well they would feel like yeah no exactly it doesn't doesn't make them yeah but um, no i think but at the same time i think they are such intelligent people they were fairly wealthy because they were both doctors as well i feel like they thought right if we whether it was intended to or not so like if it was intended if they said right okay we're gonna kill madeline for whatever reason Hmm. they would probably thought oh we could do it in portugal because we can play off the portuguese police because translation and it's not the same like the policing system isn't the same here as it is there so they might have been able to play it off sort of thing yeah see i wouldn't i'd i think personally i agree with you on your um theory i don't think it was premeditated i think it was an accident and i think that obviously like i cannot imagine how terrifying it is to lose a child and i don't want to like say that they're like their behavior is like not the way someone should behave when you've lost a child like i can't put myself in that position but their the way they behave the night of and like the people around them who've like come forward and told their kind of like witnesses of the night of and just the way it was all went down is really suspicious and it's i think the difficulty is the the fact that it was miss handled by the portuguese police meant yeah. that a lot of the evidence either pointing fingers towards kate and jerry jerry um or disproving that they were the people who did it is all like debunked and yeah. it can't be used because it's all so badly mishandled that they can't actually accuse anybody or arrest anybody of it because it's all shite yeah. <laughs> so it's like and it's just all gone to like pop, basically it's yeah. just all and you know I think it's a different process out there as to when the press can know about yeah crimes and stuff like that. So if that was handled differently, you know, this whole thing could have been different. Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that a little girl, they're still classing her as missing because they haven't found a body yeah. to um, prove that she's dead. But I, you know, there's no way. And I... You know, over the years, there have been so many potential sightings of her, like, around the world, like, in Asia and Australia and things like that. And it's just, like, do you mm. not think that she would, like, look at the old photos of her that release, especially with the eye 
um, defect that she yeah. had that she would not say, oh, that's me. Yeah, I think it's, I do think it's got to a point where it is pretty, for me, it's pretty certain that she's dead. Whether she was yeah. murdered by her parents or not, she's dead. Um, yeah. Although the there was a massive theory on sex trafficking like of yes children and i stuff, saw that as well rampant in portugal i don't know whether you've yeah. done from that if you want to talk about it but well all i can remember because i watched the documentary ages and ages ago but mm. all i can remember is that they were staying on the coast so it would have been really easy for i don't know what the title is of somebody who runs that sort of organization um but sex I, I would just say sex traffickers or like paedophile <laughs> well people like that anyway yeah it's it'd be quite easy for them to pick up a child stick them on a dinghy stick them on a boat and take them to wherever and yeah do what they do to them you know so and the portuguese police there is like so many children slip through the cracks so many kids but yeah also i wouldn't i don't believe that it would be they wouldn't steal rich white people's child because there would be too much hullabaloo about the missing child like they wouldn't go for something yeah they wouldn't go for a child that there's the press and everything's going to make a fuss of because madeline was pretty she was white she was come from wealthy she family. came from a rich yeah yeah so it's like and a very well-to-do family you know there's no previous convictions she had two younger siblings who were healthy they didn't seem neglected they hadn't been abused that we know of yeah things like that so there was you know, even if they'd paid their way for everything <coughs> to be done as soon or as it happened, it still got done. And I think there is so much injustice in why Madeline's case is still being investigated 30, 12, 13 years later. And yet all these Portuguese children that did go missing in the noughties and weren't looked into at all, they've mm. just been like disregarded and Madeline is so... I'm not saying Madeline isn't important. Of course she is, but every child is important. It's equally as important as the next. Yeah, I think a lot of money is being funneled into that um, from charities because I think we as British people just empathise with it more because we can look at her and be like, oh, that could be my kid because we're all white and like... Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, not all white, but Not all white, but a lot of like... The people with the money, a lot of the time, are very privileged white people who are able to donate to charities and they will choose um the charities of the child that they they can relate to most and the child that's getting the most also they're the family that can like afford to go on holiday with like all of their friends and all of their friends children yeah and it really did destroy the um like yeah like the culture of it like people wouldn't want to go there anymore understandably apart from widows like i see be like oh my god this is my bad my dream is to go to a murder house and that sounds awful but i just i really really want to i really want to go to a haunted house um but yeah so and i do think am i being mean when i say this whether she was murdered by her parents or not or if she's genuinely missing i don't think we will ever know because i feel like her parents are so far into it now yeah that if they're lying this is the lie they've got to live with they're not gonna Um, around and say oh by the way after all these years <laughs> just to let you know unless yeah. it, i think the only way we're going to get it is a deathbed confession personally yeah or if they 
leave it in a note and like the twins find it because the twins must be in their teens by now yeah how um, i imagine how awful that must be for them to like know that they were there and they witnessed it and they probably don't remember it yeah exactly like that's just insane they probably don't even remember their sister as a whole yeah but i but i i don't want to sound a horrible person but the big question i face now madeline mccann is has it gone too far yes (laughs) yes we are still paying our taxes towards the investigation Mm. because they're still investigating why wouldn't they be they haven't found the body like i said earlier and you know our money is still being fueled into it and it's still on the news it's not on the news as much as it was but it's still like pretty big yeah and the fact that i think as we've said the fact that we see children going missing every day and well we don't see it children go missing every day and we don't hear about it and we don't see it and they don't get their names on the front of the paper and they don't get money funneled into a charity to find them and they don't get the amount of press and the amount of like support that that family gets and it's yeah it's heartbreaking any child that goes missing it's awful but yeah you cannot you cannot um shy away from the privilege that family has and yeah that child has like i think if you would put if you'd funneled that much money and that much press into a missing children's case like any other missing children's case that had like yeah. a missing child and uh, maybe a child of color maybe an indigenous child or anything like that you probably would have found at least like one or two children by now exactly because part like this really cynical part of me does think are they doing it as a money-making scheme you never know and I never want to be like, like you never want to look at a parent that's lost a child or like parents that have lost children or anyone like that and think oh they're doing this to make money but like but it does have to think about it yeah it and does this happen, and it happens though. in high profile cases yeah and we are in like a really awful world like I, lo- I like to I used to like to think it was lovely and like oh that's fun but we are living in an awful world with awful people who would do stuff yeah. like that and also i do think that families of victims of like murder and true crime do need to find a way to make money because a lot of them are affected really poorly by the trauma and they can't work and all that kind of stuff so if it is making them money like it's fine but it's so complicated the only reason why i question that is because kate mccann also wrote a book um and i can't remember the title of it but obviously it had madeline mccann written all over it but the picture was literally a close-up of her face. Yeah. And she wrote some really, like, intimate things in there that maybe if you're a parent, you would think it, but as an outsider, you can't think, why would you put this in a book for yeah. the world to read? It's Yeah, it's a lot of, like, whatever you do with your trauma is what you do with your trauma, but there comes a point where you have to question the motives of people yeah so do you think they did it i personally do think that they did it i don't think they did it on purpose and i don't think that i don't personally think they're awful people i think the fact that they're lying is awful and all that kind of stuff but i don't think they did it on purpose and i do agree with your theory of them like accidentally giving her something like or accidentally like giving like overdosing her on something and then having to like dispose of her and i personally think if they put her in the ocean I don't think she would have been found like very no, easily. 
yeah like your body's just gonna yeah roll and i don't <laughs> i don't it? yeah i don't think they're the kind and of the people sharks that can would... eat you exactly i don't <laughs> think they're the kind of people that would like dismember her body or anything because that's her, their child like well, i don't they think could they could have do done that. because they were doctors yeah but i right <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they would have because obviously I it's clear from like the way that they reacted that they do love their child and they love their oh, children. Absolutely. And they're not sociopaths. And I, I I don't think I mean personally, if I accidentally killed someone, I would not be able to dismember their body. I would have to throw them in the ocean or bury them, so I would not be able to like But why would you not just like phone an ambulance? That's and be true. like help like, me if accidentally I, if I you know it, it... <laughs> <laughs> sound like such an idiot but like it's not that difficult to phone up an ambulance and say i've given my child something to help her sleep she's now unresponsive i need help yeah. and that that also because they they would know as doctors like i don't think i don't personally think they'd go to prison if they'd done that and i think they would know as doctors and that also leads to like the uncertainty around whether they actually did it because if they did do it would they not just do that? Like, that's the questioning. Yeah. And that's why it's such a difficult case to... Oh, my God. But this is why I love this case, because I I thought I knew everything about it until I watched the documentary. And then I saw all the stuff about, like, the cadaver dogs and everything like that and how the cadaver dogs were incredibly... Like, their senses were really heightened around the wardrobe next to the parents' bed yeah. in the holiday apartment. It's like, oh my god, you kept her in your bedside or wardrobe. Yeah, but there was Otherwise, also what, whose whose dead body would be in there. There's also evidence to disprove the cadaver dogs because um, they also react to like I think they react to human hair or something like that, and they like and human blood, and they they couldn't conclusively say that it was enough blood to trace to say that she'd been killed there because not enough blood there was like it could have been like she'd cut herself and then like it transferred yeah that kind of thing but they it was like this for a child but... exactly so there's so much evidence for the four and so much evidence for the gains and it's so but i just think they're so guilty it's um, so intense but the reason why this is my favorite murder of all time why i'm so obsessed with it is because it hasn't been solved it probably won't ever be solved which just annoys me so much but it's so interesting the handling of it by the media and the handling of it by the portuguese police yeah. and them as parents and just you know everybody knows about it and everybody it's kind of like a british thing now where like instead of saying hi i'm rachel when you first meet someone you say so what do you think happened to Mandy McCann? Literally, it's such like an <laughs> icebreaker question. It is. It's how you get to know if that's going to be like your future husband or wife. Just be like, yeah. so what, do, do you think they did it? What, what was the theory? Exactly. And if I meet someone and they're like, oh no, I don't think they're guilty. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't be your friend. Bye. <laughs> I literally have to sit there, watch the foreign documentary with them, get out all my paperwork from over the years, get out like all my like, mind maps and theories and blah 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 you know building site plans and all this i i honestly it was literally honestly i can convince anyone that they did it because they did (laughs) at me that is all hearsay and that is all um it's not confirmed confirmed. it's confirmed in my brain and if anyone says otherwise then i'll actually like (laughs) if you think i if you think i don't know it then i when i go traveling I will find find her body. (laughs) I will find her. I'll dig up every square inch I can find. 
literally i well it's it's i think there's also an element of like personal relation to it because it literally was like it was when we were children i remember it's all all, yeah it's weird i'm just googling madeline mccann see if there's any recent stories yeah so we're recording this on saturday the 2nd of may all i've looked up is madeline mccann Mm -hmm. first thing that's come up the daily mirror 18 hours ago madeline mccann parents alone for first time on anniversary of her disappearance so they're still talking about her that is i remember it being on the news so much and so and i think it also changed the way that like people parent like because i after that it was like because i was a bit of a latch latchkey child when my my mum would like leave us at home and just be like oh you can go like stay at home whilst i'm at work and i'll be home soon and just like make sure you've like got look after yourself and that's when she was kind of like working full-time and stuff but after madeline it was like no you have to be supervised you're getting a babysitter you're getting this you're getting that you're like i'm not leaving you alone you're not going to go to the house even though we were in england it's not like we were yet fucking murdered yeah but my mum my mum also strongly believed that they had done it as well so it was yes, like after and a while I, it kind of died away because she thought that they'd done it <laughs> yes and we went um on like a long weekend away for my grandparents 40th wedding anniversary mm. um they got married in 68 so we went away in 2008 mm. right so one year probably 18 months actually <gasps> 18 months after the disappearance and my mum wanted to go and have dinner with my dad and her parents, leave me and my brother on our own. Absolutely in the not. Considering the anxiety was already right, if I was like, Mum, you can't do this to me. You've been I was seven, No, I would have been eight years old. No, seven. Yeah, seven. I was like, Mum, you can't do this to me. You can't leave me here. And there were, she was like, oh, there's a babysitter like who like. I love how you the were the one that was like, I'm sorry, I don't want to get murdered like Madeline McCann. Yeah. And your mum was like, oh, it's fine. You were like seven. I know. Like, sorry, I, it's not I happening. And I remember my mum left me her phone so that I could text my dad off it. Yeah. And I texted mum and I was like, I just can't do it. I need you to come back up. And she was in such a bad mood. She was like, I just wanted to have dinner. And she sat there until <laughs> me and my brother fell asleep. But I just couldn't get to sleep. So it's like, well, it's, I know that she's going to go as soon as I fall, to, fall back to sleep. And then they're going to kidnap me. <laughs> All right. Sure. So well, it's you. haunted me for years. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my favourite murder. I love What's that for you. Fair? Thanks. Well, I've done a bit of a different format, so I've got a full-on essay written, like, really worked out that I'm just going to reread to you. Um, I'm going to also put my sources in for my research and everything. Oh, my source is just Wikipedia. No shame. My sources (laughs) is, um, there's the Guardian article by Julia Bindle, another Guardian article, but I didn't get the writer, but I think it was just, like, Mm. random writer. I'm doing the murder of Rachel Hudson. Are you trying to kill me? Yes. <laughs> we literally got me so on edge talking about Madeleine McCann. Now you want to talk about somebody who was murdered called Rachel. <laughs> what is just, your intention here? Just wait. This is a really, really upsetting story. Like, really sad. I actually haven't heard of... Well, maybe I have, but I didn't know the name. But I don't think no. I've heard of this. I found this while scrolling through. Because I sometimes like to go on Wikipedia and just scroll through the list of, like, 
murders yes in England. i do that yes oh and i God, just click on them and i clicked on this one and i read about it and it's it's so awful it's so awful oh. but it's so there's so much I to it got that far there oh is God, so it's wait. so good there's so much to it so i'm gonna read this out to you like an essay feel free to interject whenever you want to <laughs> um, I will. yourself no worrying on March 18th, 2004, a female body was found wrapped in a carpet and dumped in the grounds of Newstead Abbey, which is, I think, Lord Byron. Do you know who Lord Byron is? Oh, the poet? Yeah, he lived there at one point, which is uh, oh my not, God. not he related. He was like, really but... promiscuous, but fuck Yeah, that. he was a saucy minx. Uh, we'd love a bit mm. of Lord Byron. Um, there were a total of 60 separate injuries on the deceased. Her ear was scarred and swollen to the point it had <gasps> split in half and become infected. Oh my God. Just wait. Her mouth was injured so severely her bottom lip had detached from her skull. She had several, um, she had 11 broken ribs and the ultimate cause of death had been thrombosis from a blood clot in her brain brought on by septicemia, dehydration and repeated assaults. So she was definitely dead. She was really dead. She was not just like a little bit dead. She was really, really dead. And it's They like, really wanted to make sure that she was a goner. Yeah, it was awful. Oh just, my oh, goodness. That um, sounds so... Oh my God. It's horrific. The injuries were such that the police at first thought they had found the body of a young boy. But after weeks of pleas from the police and even the launching of an appeal on Crime Watch, the body was identified as Rachel Hudson, a 20-year-old mother of two and a wife of funfair worker Craig Hudson. So uh, why did they think she was a boy? Because basically her body was so disfigured by all the like. But wouldn't they have noticed the lack of green? <laughs> <laughs> they probably would have. But obviously, when they when they first find a body, their their immediate thought would was like, oh, that's oh okay, a so not it like after, so not after internal investigations, like oh, oh yeah, not after like <laughs> after like the obviously after the what's it called. When you like look at a body and you're like autopsy, oh. autopsy. After that, they yeah. knew it was a woman, and they they didn't. I am glad. It literally took them weeks to identify her because nobody came forward. So let's start with a bit of backstory on Rachel. She was oh. born to. This is really triggering for you. And I also, when I first, oh for God's sake, like, is it me? Is it, it me? Is you? It literally is, is you. it okay? Well, I'm like two dead people in one: Madeline McCann and Rachel Hudson. So this is just a Rachel-themed episode. <laughs> Um, she was born to Helen Woodier and Barry Manga. Oh my god, that's my parents, and that's not. Uh, Don't, (laughs) because it's the next bit pretty accurate. Um, on the fourth of August, nineteen eighty-three. So no, it's not. Oh, cool. Right. She was born in Leicestershire. 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 Less. I actually don't know. One of the two. Um, in England and grew up there. She was educated at Lutterworth Grammar School um, and she went on to become a hairdresser. And she was described by her family as a happy, cheerful and jolly girl. And she was really outgoing and talkative. Oh my God. She was also... <laughs> I'm, I'm changing who I am. <laughs> Literally, get an identity change because this is basically you. Um, she also was known to enjoy going to the fair which is where she met her husband, Craig, 
who she then went on to marry a few months later in November 2002. Also, November 2002, I would have been two years old, which is really exciting. I would have been... A baby. I can't work oh, no. it out. I would have been like 21 months old or something oh like that. Oh my god. Child. My brother wasn't even born then. Fetus. Happier times, happier times. Happy times. <laughs> <laughs> um... They were an unlikely pair. Rachel's family thought she could have done better and Craig was described by members of his family. But let, before I read out the description, these, if, you, if your family describes you as this, like it's no... Anyway, let me just get into it. His family described him as not the full shilling, backward... <laughs> I'm not ex. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if your family sat there during an interview, or like parents even suddenly going, "Well, he's not the full shilling, is he?" Yeah, he's not great. Um, um, <laughs> he's a bit backward. Yeah, he's a bit backward, and not exactly. <laughs> <That's> not <funny>. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he's not exactly an oil painting. That's all of my ex-boyfriends. What <laughs> one? <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean though if you look at you don't look oh, at someone you, and go, hmm, because an oil oh. painting is meant to be like visually perfect isn't it so basically no. trying to say that they're not pretty yeah but, like in a nice-ish way it's in not a nice way but... so basically he was a bit uggers and she was gorgeous like i've seen photos of her she was really pretty she was really vibrant really oh, it is me <laughs> yes um her parents <sighs> did not approve of the marriage and tried to convince her to rethink but she went on with it anyway um, which Silly, is silly and, cow. And yeah, moved, it is me. And moved into the Hudson family house with her child from a previous relationship. So she had a child before, um, and she moved into the house with Craig, and then she moved in. Let me wait. <laughs> she moved okay. into the family house with Craig and his parents and their siblings, which I'll get into right. in a minute. Um. Soon they had their first child together, and on the surface, all seemed well. They had a family, Aww. the marriage, and supposedly an abundance of love for each other. Do you ever write anything and just think, disgusting? Like, how yeah. cringy? Why, like, why did I write that? That was such an awful, cliche sentence. Yeah, I hate that phrase, abundance of love. They had an abundance of love for each other. Mm. I didn't even copy and paste that. That's I can't even me. say. Like, li- disgusting. <laughs> We've um, confirmed it's not me because I would never have an abundance of love for anyone. <laughs> Part, yeah. <laughs> Apart from me, obviously. Look at me. I'm obviously. Sexy. Um, <laughs> wait for it, Rachel. Just wait for this okay. really beautiful. Things were not as they seemed. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> Shock horror. What a surprise. Um, bet you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> so not. I'm just going to go into a bit about the Hudson family. So. The Hudson family was made up of Ronald Hudson, which was the dad, Trudy Hudson, Donald, Ronald McDonald, sorry, Ronald Hudson, <laughs> which was the dad, Trudy Hudson, which was the wife and the mother, and their twelve children, twelve the fucking front children. Door. I couldn't find all the names of the children, but like I can, I've got a couple. <laughs> They're probably just called one, two, three. What, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got Ronald Hudson Jr. Fuck that. Like, why would? You, no. Oh, 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 oh. Even Simon Cowell didn't name his own child after him. Exactly. And Simon Which... Cowell is the most conceited man I've ever met. Well, I haven't met him, <laughs> but I've ever seen him. Yes. I met Simon Cowell once. We're just we're best buddies. I've got him on Absolutely. Only you can call him conceited, babes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, the 12 children, including Ronald Hudson and Chantel Hudson. Those are the only two that I could actually find names of, like, at the moment. I probably they... don't want to be known because yeah. Craig sounds yeah. not good. But yeah. that explains why he's not backward because, you know, he kind of... What number child was he? Was he the youngest? I bet you he's a middle child. Middle child syndrome. He's, he's got 100%. middle child complex, yeah. That's, I'm a middle child, though, so... That explains so much. <laughs> I'm not. I'm the eldest. That explains <laughs> our personalities. That explains why I'm a psychopath and you're like really lovely. It explains why I'm bossy. Literally. I'm so. <laughs> like, if someone tells me what to do, I'm just like, okay. I'm going to ignore you. Whatever you say. Um. Right. Where was I? The Hudson. Oh, right. Okay. Ronald Hudson. Um. Senior, which is the dad, came from a family of fairground workers and was said to not have the best start in life. Both he he's thick too. Yeah, he's a little bit. Both he's <laughs> he's dummy thick. Um, <laughs> dumb. Both he and Trudy were from dysfunctional homes, abused and neglected by their parents. Um, oh, so sad. they didn't. They had a bit of a shit life. Um, a local authority official who visited Trudy's home, which is the mum's. Um, when she was a child, recalls the chaos and mess in the house. Trudy's mother was sitting in her filthy nightgown, eating cornflakes from a washing-up bowl. And honestly, I'm just going to put it out there, that gave me fla- flashbacks to my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> what, of you or your mum sitting there eating cornflakes out of a washing-up bowl? I bet, j- take a guess, Rach. Take a guess. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I was actually going to say, is that how you've been surviving lockdown? Honestly, it is. I The amount of cornflakes I've eaten out of a dirty washing up bowl is astronomical. It's ridiculous. Oh, I'm like, just sat there so much. every day just ch- like chugging down cornflakes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is a very serious thing. But yes, anyway, <clears throat> Trudy was 20 when she met Ronald. He was 24. Um, and she met him whilst visiting a relative in prison. Great start. Oh my um, god! <laughs> where, oh. And um, where Ronald was an inmate, so he was in prison, and she met him whilst visiting her relative that was also in prison. What was he in prison for? Pig. I don't actually know. I have a feeling it's probably like robbery or this is this is not something true, like petty theft. Something petty. Um, on his release, they were they moved in together and immediately started a family, which is a great way to. Yeah, you, you <laughs> do got things. you got to fit twelve kids in their life somehow. I mean, Jesus. surely they'd run out of resources. Sperm and egg, <laughs> <laughs> speg. Um, <laughs> oh, <don't have> <laughs> say that again. <laughs> so, they were an infamous family in their neighbourhood. Many saying they avoided the Hudson children due to their bad behaviour and sexual remarks. Which basically, apparently, the children used to like say really sexual things to like women in the area, being like, "Oh, she, really? She could get it." Like, and they, I bet you, they were like six or like <laughs> all. Like, I'm imagining like little children being like, "Oh yeah, what? And look at the tits on her!" Like, what? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it's taking me yeah. and it's so weird so it, when i read that i was just not like, normal fuck? it's not and it's a sign of abuse like obviously yeah it's, brainwashing yeah awful um the hudson household was a, was a three-bedroom council property which was at one stage the home to 23 people 
come again? 23 people. At one point, that house that they all lived in and Rachel and Craig moved into, what, 23 people. 23 So that's like the 12 kids and the parents. So that's 15. Then Rachel and the baby. So that's 17. Where are the other six coming from? They're just inviting in randomers. Like um, one of the kids called Shane... So I do have the name Shane Hudson, yeah. um, who was in prison at the time, I think facing charges of sexual assault or something. I'm not entirely sure on that one. Um, so like, and his girlfriend like came in and out of the house. So I'm guessing it was like girlfriends and boyfriends and like all that kind of stuff. But still, yeah. 23 fucking people. No, absolutely That's not. so many people. Um, Trudy was also known to work the benefit system out of greed. Um, so she basically like any she got child support anything she can get from the benefit system she'd be like oh my children are going blind they need like support they need money and like they would be perfectly just fine gouge their eyes out look they're blind now <laughs> literally um but the overall percent what, did, what one again do you ever just like read what you've written and think what the fuck was i thinking no, i haven't written anything um, that isn't like in code for years <laughs> mood but basically the perception of of them was like they were just awful like you know that family when you live in an area and you get that family and just like mm, i'm gonna stay away i know them. that family everybody like think of that family in the head and just imagine this family like, i, wa- that is what I this wonder if is. you're thinking of the same family as i'm thinking of sure you say it we can cut it out what is it yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yes That's- so oh my god it's literally, literally that sort of family that's the family and just oh mate <clears throat> so you do cut that off it's like i won't be here for next week's recording i will you would have been shanked to death <laughs> i'm gonna cut literally. out their names so they don't no one's gonna hear that we're gonna, we're gonna keep this in but they won't hear the name so um unfortunately no one could really know the horrors that were going on behind the closed door so no I was looking into this and I found in an interview with one of the daughters that lived in the house, Chantelle Hudson. And I don't know whether she was in, involved in any of this. I don't know whether she was just in the house. I don't know what's happened to her now. It won't say nothing. Like she, I think she's changed her name obviously to protect herself. Yeah, no because you wouldn't protection. Want, yeah, you wouldn't want to be associated with what I'm about to say. Um, um, and she opened up about the abuse. It's a mirror the mirror article yeah um it's an article on the mirror and they basically interviewed her and she opened up about everything that went on the house and it is not good (laughs) it's not tell us anymore or is that it i will i'm gonna tell you a lot more i've got quotes directly from her but just to like preface this now if you didn't like what i said in the beginning you're not gonna like what's coming up (laughs) so (laughs) um she said i was beaten and abused from as early as i can remember um i was punched kicked thrown down the stairs and almost drowned i sobbed myself to sleep every night my dad didn't even let me go to school I was treated like a slave and made to do all the washing, cleaning, cooking and feed the babies every day, even though I was a child myself. That's so sad. So that was all going on in their household. So that's that, like the sort of household they were in. Yeah, that is the initial kind of like before Rachel and Craig got married and moved in. That was 
what they were dealing with and that and there was it's it's said that like there was almost like a pyramid of abuse so the parents would abuse the children and the older children would abuse the younger children and the younger children would obviously take that anger out on the neighborhood or on like anyone that they could like each other it was just awfully crazy terrible so um so when rachel moved in immediately they all disliked her um obviously apart from craig but they just like they alienated her and the abuse began pretty quickly after that. Craig and Rachel managed to move out and escape it at one point, but ended up right back where they were because the family kind of like brought them back in. And it but was did Craig not like defend her? Well, I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. Because I think the issue was like Craig was like defending her and protecting her at one point, but he pretty soon became pretty complacent to everything that was going it was awful awful i'm reading i was reading it and i was just like no i can't yeah. it's so horrible <laughs> so there will be a massive trigger warning coming up very soon um there's i'm literally say it here there's so much out there about everything that happened like i was reading it and it's it's all awful so i'm just going to kind of list and explain it all in no particular order but basically Rachel moved in and like the abuse started. Ronald um senior, so the dad and Tru- Trudy Ronald Jr, Craig the husband, Emile which I think is the girlfriend um they never accepted Rachel. In addition, Elizabeth the girlfriend of Shane, the 19-year-old girlfriend of Shane Hudson who was in prison at the time of Rachel Rachel's murder. This is very confusing, but like those people like abuse. Oh, I'm her. getting it, I'm getting it. Um and they also took a turn at heaping mental and physical abuse on the hapless girl. Um Oh, that article, one of my sources is the mail the mail factors register, which is like so, a website I found online. Anyway, back <laughs> <laughs> it was an all it was all year round torture. She was exposed to deceit excuse me let me start that sentence again it was an all year round torture she was exposed to severe beatings um ronald trudy chantel and ronald jr um beat her they put out cigarettes on her she wasn't allowed to leave the house without a minder they actually bought a piece of wood into the house which they called mr woody and they would beat her with it there was psychological manipulation and abuse. They said to her that she could leave, but she couldn't take her children because Trudy wanted their child benefits. Oh. Awful. Her shoes oh. were taken so she couldn't run away. It's said that at first Craig was not a part of the torture, but was complacent and then became an active participant in the abuse. So, Oh my God, why would he do that? I personally think it's because the parents like had created this power to struggle and this manipulation already like it was built into him so anything that his parents kind of said and did he kind of had to go along with which is no excuse he's still a piece of shit but like (laughs) yeah it's awful um so i'm going to go back to the interview with the daughter chantelle um and just she recounts some of the stuff that happened if you're like if you can't if you didn't like that you're not gonna let's just trigger warning trigger warning warning. this is warned it was beating after beating. I saw my dad hold her head in a sink for 
water and put fags out on her. I remember one of my brothers holding her over the banister by her throat. She was crying and screaming all the time but couldn't do anything to stop them. My dad turned everyone against her saying she fancied my brothers. Sometimes we just hugged each other tight not needing to say how we felt. We knew we were both going through the same abuse. So Chantelle was on her side. Yeah, Chantelle was yeah. one of the daughters and she was living in the house and she basically, as she was the one that was being abused and like came, like it was awful. They were all obviously being abused, but she spoke about it. Um, and yeah. apparently Rachel wasn't even allowed to see her two kids at Christmas. They um, let the children open their presents in the living room while Rachel was locked in the kitchen or confined to the bedroom. And her and it's so awful. And her and Craig slept in separate rooms. They weren't allowed to like sleep in the same bed. And like it's just so awful. They like just abuse. They basically they were just awful to her. Awful. It's so bad. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know why she didn't get out. That's what I think with a lot of these stories. Why didn't they try and get out? And that's thing. And she had like family members that were there, and they were like, "We don't know what to like. We don't." They didn't know what was going on, but they knew that something was going on, and they could not like physically take her out that situation. And she obviously she couldn't leave because she didn't want to leave her kids in that situation with the abuse. And she was like, "It's just so." horrible and it the fact that the police and social services didn't catch on sooner because it basically social services had been present from the start of them like starting and that's family what annoys me more exactly they oh, it's so in a lot of these stories where there's abuse through childhood you will always find that social services or child protection or someone has been involved at some point but they've dismissed whatever for yeah. whatever reason they haven't found enough evidence or there's this there's that or the child won't give evidence and stuff like that and yeah but then something even bigger arises years and years later and it's just like it's so like bad you knew. and it's the same with the police when um someone reports that their child's gone missing often the police are like oh it must be a runaway and they yeah. don't look into it and then it's like a week later and they find the body and they're like oh shit we could have oh done something God. so much sooner um <laughs> but yeah um it soon became noticeable to the people that knew Rachel that she was losing weight and becoming quiet and reclusive. In early 2004, Ronald Sr. called Rachel's father and told him she'd run off with another man and she was reported <gasps> missing. Unfortunately, oh my God, no. she was actually still a prisoner in the Hudson household. They just couldn't risk people seeing the physical signs of the abuse. Oh my god! This is how can they think that that's okay? Like, I don't know. Like genuinely, they are psychopaths. Like they, these people but are Im- awful. But imagine like being like her actual like family as well, and oh. being told this about your own daughter, and having to think that she's run away and like she's not. And they they even they went as far as to like send letters to. They made her like record a video saying that she like did all these awful things and she like made like made the Hudson family hate her and she'd done all those awful things to all of them and they recorded it and they made a video and they sent letters to her family saying that the Hudson family hadn't done anything wrong and if they kept investigating kept looking into where she was then she'd make sure that they like um they started 
finding them and causing problems for them and it was just awful the amount of manipulation the amount of cover-up what that went into this is crazy oh my god it's just it's like how could somebody even have that mindset yeah it's it's someone who's mentally messed up and it's it's from the years of abuse that they suffered before they had they started their family yeah and then they, they must they have thought that it was okay exactly it's their normal but it's not okay don't do that to people you fucking psycho no. dickheads um i've written down it <laughs> so i'm guessing you know where this is going um i haven't found any real recountings of her murder other than from her the daughter Chantel. so that interview with the daughter and i yeah don't want to get anything wrong so i'm just going to tell you what she said so this is what happened on the night of the murder according to chantelle this is awful so like if you're not in the mood don't listen to this um if you're not in the mood (laughs) if you're not in the mood if you got this far you might be fine but like this is bad My mum and dad had gone out and left her lying on the kitchen floor from the beatings. When they came back, they put her in a bath full of freezing water. She was bleeding. Later, I went to check on her and she was making gurgling noises and her eyes were closed. When they realised she was dead, everyone panicked and some of the family wrapped Rachel in carpet and put her in the boot of the car. They threw the body in the lake. I was in a daze. I couldn't believe what was happening. My dad didn't even seem sad about it. He always, he had always said to Rachel, she wouldn't be walking out of the house. She'd be leaving in a wooden box. So what actually killed her? The beatings or the drowning or the being thrown into the lake? Like what actually killed her? I think it was, well, it says her cause of death was, um, uh, thrombosis from a blood clot in the brain brought on by septicemia, dehydration and repeated assaults. So the constant assaults and the constant like beatings and obviously it just got too much for her and they basically murdered her through the ab- abuse and the neglect. So yeah, because it wasn't like a one big right, we're gonna kill you off now. It, yeah. it did just seem like one of the beatings gone too far almost exactly and i think the thing is i think i don't think they were expecting her to be alive like i don't think they were expecting her not to die from what they were doing to her but they just didn't think it was going to happen then um she died on the 17th of march and her body was found on the 18th so the day after um after where did they find her they found her in where did i say they found her newstead abbey the grounds of Newstead Abbey. So if they put her in a lake, like did she wash up? Yeah, probably. It would have either yeah. it would have floated or something like oh it's so awful. Like the body I would know, have, like, like we're just talking about this so normally like, oh her body just floated to the shore. But Yeah, wonderful. Love that for you. Mm. Mm. Um after this a massive investigation was launched and it quickly became clear what had happened and the perpetrators within the family were try what let me start that sentence again (laughs) after this a massive investigation was launched and it quickly became clear what had happened and the perpetrators within the family were um, arrested and taken to trial in 2005 
yeah so they they do get justice well they do get arrested and it is found out that they were the ones that did it um as soon as the trial began the loyalty between the family members fell to pieces and it was clear that they had all ratted each other out so they've basically been interviewed and as soon as they got interviewed they were like well it wasn't me they did it and we all did it but it was them so and each of them had different contradictory stories but they all basically abused this poor poor woman um the testimonies in court from witnesses and the Hudson family were supposedly so graphic and horrid it was difficult for the jury members to actually sit through them. Members of the press who covered the court case admitted they often felt physically sick as the story unfolded. So yeah, not a positive and or fun no, not good at all. No. It was awful to listen to. Um this is the slightly better bit on the 21st of December 2005, Ron Hudson, finalist of the UK Working Father of the Year contest. <laughs> Disgusting that he even got to the final of that competition. What the fuck? Are you joking? Not even I joking. Being sarcastic. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being sarcastic. He got basically Trudy, the wife, um, put him forward for the competition and he actually got to the final of it he didn't win though which is even though he was being put on trial for murdering his daughter-in-law yeah what a legend what an icon we love him no we don't i know absolute babe um so ron hudson trudy hudson his wife and their children craig hudson his brother ronald jr hudson and Elizabeth Hogg, who lived with the family as a girlfriend of another brother, Shane, were convicted of Rachel's murder. The Hudson parents were sentenced to a minimum of 20 years. So are they still in prison? I have, well, it, was, it would have been 2005, so yeah, I have a feeling they are. Yeah, I hope they haven't been let out on good behaviour. Literally, 20 years. It should have been like That's nowhere disgusting. near enough disgusting um especially when nearly finished that 20 years exactly and the fact that they the abuse probably oh i just can't i cannot <laughs> it's so makes me so angry it, it's just that's that's like her lifetime yeah it's it's gross and the fact that they like uh, ronald jr which is one of the sons um got convicted um and sentenced to a minimum of 17 years and craig the husband and the girlfriend of shane were convicted to only a minimum of 14 years each it's just ridiculous disgusting i don't see i mean i can see why they've got less than the parents because i think if the parents hadn't started it then they wouldn't have continued it but like it's that's like that's not it just it just doesn't even make her life seem worthy. It, it doesn't give justice. Like she's gone forever and they are out in like twenty years. Yeah, I mean the one that's in for seventeen years is nearly is gonna be out in two years. Literally. And the husband who put her in that situation is out in well, fourteen years time. So two thousand five last year. Disgusting. The fact that that man disgusting. The, and the person, the another person who was in on it, like the girlfriend 
of one of the brothers who was just like in on it and doing it she didn't she wasn't even part of the family she had no reason to be there like that's the most disgusting disgusting thing she could have left (laughs) disgusting thing she could have left she could have gone she didn't have to be a part of it and she chose like that's disgusting i mean Um, we don't know what her upbringing was like whether it was similar to the husband family or not but like but still it's you still know it's bad. You still know the chance that you're going to get arrested for it. Exactly. Like. And then Shane and Emile Hudson were convicted of conspiring, conspiring to pervert the course of justice, just, justice by covering up the repeated abuse and later sentenced to four years imprisonment, three and a half years imprisonment and three years supervision repres, rep, respectively. So one of them got four years. Um, one of them got three and a half years imprisonment yeah and three years yeah. i have no idea what that means it makes sense in my it oh ma- my god i don't know but they did get sentenced to something <laughs> um, so why why is that your favorite murder i don't know i think it's just the the because it's really similar to another murder that happened in america i can't remember the name of it but it's really similar and it was a child and she got abused similarly to those people um rachel not those people should they right (laughs) it's really similar to that one but i think this one's just it shows the the amount of horror and pain that we as humans can inflict on people that we're supposed to love yeah like can you imagine your own husband or your wife putting you in that position not getting you out of that position like those kids those fucking children in that household having to watch their mum go through that like you yeah. shouldn't and that, that inc- one of those children was craig's children like he was the father of one of those children and he didn't think for a second oh this is gonna fucking traumatize this child it's disgusting probably because he saw it when he was growing up and he was like oh this is normal this is healthy it's exactly what they need for a well-balanced and lifestyle this is why we need early inter- intervention by social services you cannot go into a place like that like there are so many kids being taken away from the parents for stupid benign reasons and they don't go into households like this and think oh you know what i should take these kids away because they're really like not doing very well it's disgusting yeah or like they like if they go in for a reason oh no you're fine i mean just keep doing what you're doing i mean literally wonderful job like she was committing benefit fraud and they i think they even caught her for the benefit fraud she was committing and they didn't think "Mm, maybe maybe there's maybe i should take these kids away like what are they oh uh, yeah stupid anyway i'd like i just need to finish on a quote from her dad and uh, well what she said outside the court i'll just like lovely little fun fun little mm. quote mm, love to hear from that um mm. he said since becoming part of the hudson household rachel was gradually isolated from her family and friends this trial has shown how manipulative and inhumanely cruel members of the hudson family can be they exhibit total disregard of human life and the feelings of an individual and then her grandmother doreen peacock who is i think quite close to her what said, a fabulous name i know what icon <laughs> um you can't sleep you're waking up in the night you can't see her you can see her there tied up being beaten and you keep thinking why why didn't i do know something was going on why didn't i ever go over there so sad and there and must be so much guilt on her family's part 
Yeah. The guilt that family must feel like, I think she was obviously... Even though they have no right to feel guilty because they were isolated from her and they were made to think that everything was fine and dandy and everything like that. Exactly. There's nothing they could have done. Yeah. You could probably, you would probably sit there thinking that you could have done more, but you, you couldn't. No, and it's never you really the, couldn't. Like they are also victims of this family and these awful yeah. people, and like just like all murder, like all murderers don't just have one victim. Like whether they're a serial killer or just like a, a singular murderer, like they mm. don't just have one victim. The family's a victim. The friends of the people are victims. Like it's it's so awful, and the guilt that they must feel. Like her dad and her mum tried to warn her against marrying this man, and and he still and she still did it, and she still did it. And it's like that's not her fault at all. Like he should have been trusted. No, like he should have. Oh, it's just so awful. So that's the murder of Rachel Hudson. It's really depressing. I thought I'd bring it down. It's so interesting. (laughs) That's why I love it so much. Like that is my favorite murder. Personally, and it's because it's quite, it's not as well known as others. So it's not like when you hear about yeah. it, I quite like ones like that because I think it's really important that we don't forget about the ones that don't have all the media publicity. Yes, I'm actually going to, after we've recorded this, I'm going to research about her so I can like look at everything else I can find because that is just so... It's so good. Yeah. There's so much other information and so many amazing articles on them and their family life and the murder and everything like that. And it's, it's... I don't think if I got any of the information wrong, please feel free to let me know, guys, because I probably did. Yeah, there's, there's so much of your it. Own research. Yeah, just let us know if this is also like your favorite murder. Like, let us know because I'm pretty sure yeah. I've got so many. Or so let much us of that know wrong. your favorite murder. Please do. Um, but yeah, um, okay. So I'm gonna get on with my next one. Do it. I want to hear it. I don't care so, whether it's too long. I'll go through it pretty quickly because I, I haven't gone into as much detail as you have. Sorry, I was really like I've so got into this. I was like, I'm gonna be like Karen. I'm gonna be like Georgia. It's my time <laughs> to shine. <laughs> I just, I, I, I love this so much. Please, um, please. So, tell I, me so out of all my lists, um, I have decided because I thought Madeleine McCann. Everyone knows the story. Yeah. I don't really need to go into much detail about it. I could do that one quickly. It still took me like forty minutes yeah. to get it out. It's still yeah. like a controversy. It's like one that we can yeah. discuss. But I really want to hear what this one is because I don't. So. Uh, this is the life of Fred and Rose West. <gasps> no, I yes. love this. Well, I don't love. This. I love this murder. Please tell me all about. It. I'm ready. Oh my god, I love. Well, it's not even just a murder. It's like the murder abuse. Oh, it's so good. It's just so bad. It's good. Yeah. So please, they I'm first so met. It's fine. They first met in 1969. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rose was a lot younger than him. I think he was like 28. 29 and yeah. she was like 15 oh my god um and she wasn't interested in him at first she she thought i think there's a quote somewhere where she thought he was a tramp <laughs> but don't we we all look at boys and think you're a tramp, a tramp. <laughs> um but she was incredibly incredibly promiscuous which influences her later life Me. um and he offered her a lot of attention was incredibly flattering basically said all the things she wants here like her ex-boyfriend <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> he'd been previously married and had two daughters called Charmaine and Anne-Marie oh. um, and in the beginning when Rose first met them she thought they were being neglected by 
the birth mother who's called Catherine. Charmaine um, and Anne-Marie sounds a lot like alcohol names. Like Charmaine. Scripper names. <laughs> <laughs> All that. You could go with that too. Um, so going back as a bit of like background history, Rose was potentially molested by her dad um, and he was a schizophrenic. Um, I say potentially wait for the rest of the story. It's kind of confirmed, but I'm not allowed to say it's confirmed, but it definitely is confirmed. Um, So Rose's parents were not happy about their 15-year-old daughter going out with a nearly 30-year-old man, understandably. (laughs) So social services were called. Social services again! Oh my God! Oh my God! So Rose was put in a home, but obviously as soon as she turned 16, she left because she could. Um... (laughs) But at the time, Fred was in prison for theft and unpaid fines. Um, but once he left prison, he got his daughters out of care. So he got Charmaine and Anne-Marie out of care. Um, by 1970, Rose was pregnant. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> swift. Um, <laughs> swift moves there. Swift moves, I mean get up in there um by 1971 she's looking after her own daughter who oh my god what's her name i think it was heather i didn't know she had a child wait for it babes um and the two stepdaughters on her own um who she made call her mum so she made her stepdaughters call her mum which is weird bear in mind she was 17 at the time as well not a good sign um, Fred was back in prison for theft, so <laughs> Rose was just, you know, I wonder what he's Cash. doing, thieving. Um, <laughs> so he was back in prison, and she was left looking after these three kids on her own, um, and she started to abuse them. Um, Rose is believed to have killed Charmaine before Fred's release in 1971. What? Rose told everyone she'd gone to live with her real mum in, I don't know, somewhere, like in a different city. Um, But her body was kept in the coal cellar until Fred buried her naked body in the backyard. Oh, my God. So, this is like all Rose. I must have just blacked this out from my memory because I I only remember like... You only know the later bits, but when you really dig deep, it's like... We learned about this in English class. I don't know whether you did as well. But no, we I, I was too English clever class. for that. We did off my some men. Because um, <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> so, and they also noted, like, years and years later, when they found the bodies, um, there is multiple. Some mm-hmm. bones were missing. So it's wondering whether they were kept as keepsakes. Because you know how we were saying earlier about how, how all murderers have their little thing. Yeah, they do like a keepsake. So... In August 1971, so in the same year, oh my god, I can't even hold my mic because I'm shaking because I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> Fred's ex-wife Catherine, who was the mother of Charmaine and Anne-Marie, um, was murdered either by strangulation or um, suffocation after confronting Fred about custody for the girls. There was also potential sexual assault within the murder. Oh. I think um, she was found with a like a metal oh double like, whammy what am i trying to say like a like a no, tube don't like say a pipe. that <laughs> yeah, like, a metal pipe. like you know the lead pipe in cluedo sort of like that yeah. sort of thing um and they think they, that may have been used for 
sexual assault. She was dismembered and put in plastic bags and buried in oh. a nearby field. When anyone dismembers someone, it's always like the worst. Like, how can you do that? Yeah. Like, I can barely look at a raw chicken without wanting to vomit. Like, oh, yeah. you are another level but of psychopath. It's just like, can you imagine like having a sore or something, having to pack through oh. skin and muscles and ligaments and bone? Like, bone is so hard. This is why you're a vegetarian. This is why I'm a vegetarian, but I can still murder someone. Um, <laughs> you know what? Really fun, really fun fact. They actually got married the day my mum was born. Oh, goals. September 29th, 1972. Oh, goals. Cute. Um, and then they moved to 25 Cromwell Street, which is that really famous house. Yes. Um, and they allowed lodges on the first floor. So they lived on the ground floor and they sort of adapted the first floor so that there's like a sink and an oven like on the first floor so that the lodges could just stay upstairs very crafty i mean he wants to have the money for it interior design um, <laughs> oh, so the second daughter so rose's rose fred and rose's second daughter was born on in june 73 and she's called may jean um because <laughs> july After this time, pretty swift after having said baby, Mm -hmm. Rose became a prostitute. As well as being a prostitute, she casually slept with the male and female lodgers. Honestly, though, without the murder... As I said before, promiscuous. Without the murder and without the, like, everything else and without her being a horrible person, that is, like, what my future... That's what I want to do with my future. (laughs) But she would particularly with the women she slept with she'd be brutal i.e choking them or she's like like my time Um, that's not me (laughs) and then she would quite often brag about everything that she gets down with Mm. um and her and fred would have threesomes and enjoyed violent sex like bondage honestly like relationship gogs (laughs) i can't remember saying that that's so awful stop I'm so sorry. I want that just without them being awful people. Like I want a relationship with that, just not the awful people. Oh, you can't get yourself out of that. You just said you want to be Rose West. I don't want to be Rose um, West. <laughs> so they later um what's the word? They later like it was later found that they owned videos of like bestiality and oh, child no, sexual not cool. abuse. Okay, that's where it crosses the line. Um, I don't want that anymore. And she had a room at the top of the house, and it was called Rose's room. And there would be like little peepholes, and Fred would watch her with clients. And there was like a red light on the door, and when it was on, you couldn't come in, and when it was off, it was okay. And she always wore the one and only key to the room around her neck. That's so it was really. Anything with a peephole in it is creepy as fuck. Like, yeah. Like, if if you see a door that has, like, two little eye holes in it, oh, yeah. my God. So, as I said earlier, Rose's parents, particularly her dad, weren't very happy about Fred. The one good thing. So they, so, they got, so they got round the idea of them being married, and then he found out that she was a prostitute. How would most dads react to that? I don't know. I certainly wouldn't use them. Oh, but he oh, did. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was gonna make a joke, and then I, I'm so glad that I didn't. Rose's dad used her as a prostitute. Oh, 
that's just, yeah that is great that, so I think it is kind of obvious that they that he definitely like abused her during her childhood what a sick fuck yeah <gasps> So, by 1983, she had eight kids, three of whom were fathered by clients. Do you think one of them was fathered by her dad? <gasps> Don't even get me. Okay, sorry. 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 Um, <laughs> Fred accepted them and convinced, like, everyone else that they were all his. For example, I think there were one or two kids that had, like, darker skin than the other like his actual kids so people would be like oh what's this about and apparently he told everyone that he just had a black grandmother oh my god that's that's like literally like it's not even like it just he's a murderer he is a rapist he is a paedophile a bestiality person he's a creep he's abusive he's awful and he's also a culturally appropriating black culture like what (laughs) come on like do you want to be the worst person ever but at least he did accept the mormon as his own oh what a lovely man forgiving father Um, we stand so they were oh my god i hold this what's wrong with me um hand dyslexic (laughs) (laughs) go <laughs> <laughs> pick it up again now. you guys can't see that but Rachel just threw her like, <laughs> <laughs> like a twat <laughs> so we should not be laughing um, so, they were, so they were really strict with their kids you know as most parents are from the age of seven they were given lists of chores and weren't allowed to socialise or things like that um oh. And obviously, if they didn't do what they were told, the parents were very violent and Rose took pleasure from it. She really got so much gratification out of seeing others suffer. Um, So Heather, who's the eldest, and Stephen, which is the eldest son, um, ran away from home, but eventually returned after a few weeks of sleeping rough and was severely beaten for it. No... Between 1972 and 1992, there were 31 visits to A&E. Um, and, and no one was... thought, like, oh, let's exactly. take Exactly. If that happened now, it's a completely different story. But, like, it's just insane, isn't it? That's more than one hospital visit a year. Oh, my God, that's awful. Yeah. Um, she was also violent to Fred. She so you know she'd also beat him up. Uh, I think what? she tried to stab him. Isn't there a lot of like she's trying to like make out that she's the victim as well, and he's like this. Yeah, she was trying to make out that he's when. That's not the case. I think. No. I think without her, none of this would have happened. Like, yeah, I mean, he'd been to prison for like theft and unpaid taxes and stealing tires and things like that. But on the whole. He's not a bad guy, but he is. Well, he did this. murder people. But, but <laughs> maybe, maybe if he wasn't worst? so like manipulated and in love and controlled by Rose, yeah. this wouldn't have happened. There's that constant like struggle between whether it's like he's in love with her or she's in love with him, and who's being controlled by yeah. him. It's all that. So Anne Marie, remember Anne Marie, who was the daughter of yes. the second daughter from the first marriage, and she's not she's not dead. No, yes. she's not dead. However, no. No. <laughs> um, 
they both raped her when she was oh, eight years old. Oh my fucking god! And they forced her to prostitute herself from the age of thirteen, telling clients that she was actually sixteen. I thought my story was banned. Honestly, this just I, is this another level. So juicy. Um, right? No. <laughs> so on to the actual murders. Yeah. Mm. Well, we've done a couple of murders. Here's the rest. Here's the rest. Um, so Caroline Owens was a 17 year old. She was hired as their nanny in 1972. Yeah. So at this point in time, they only had Catherine's children, so the two girls, Charmaine and Anne-Marie, and the new baby, Heather. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently they would speak to her in like a really sexually overt way, you know, asking what she does with her boyfriend and, you know, sort of like giving her loads of hints yeah understandably as a 17 year old she was not comfortable with that so she left um but they later abducted her knocked her out and sexually assaulted her no what is it what why do they like a bit of rape like that's not okay man stop this is the worst bit okay oh okay her mother reports her she obviously went home and she had all these like wounds on her and she was really shaken up and her mum's like what's wrong what's wrong she's like i can't tell you i can't tell you Eventually, her mum got it out of her. Her mum reported it. Yeah. But Caroline couldn't face the court trial and give her evidence. So Fred and Rose were charged £50 and walked. I mean, honestly, that's basically the court system now with rape. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. That's a fucking joke. That is disgusting. It doesn't say rape. It was just sexual assault. Imagine. Um, So the first known murder before they must have, like, admit because i think they always said that catherine and um charmaine had just gone i think they yeah. just because they always use cover stories but yeah. this is the first one that they actually admitted to murdering so it's a 19 year old girl called linda goff who had moved in with two male lodgers but was told to leave when she hit one of the kids so she was a bit when of she, a, right hmm. okay so she's so they're allowed to sexually assault and abuse their children but as soon as someone hits someone it's like oh no sorry sorry no so it's not okay it's not okay but in the hierarchy of what's going on here i feel like you should really be looking at your own own behavior first honey exactly i mean hitting a child still isn't good but no it's not not, no no it's bad come Um, on now but they had this like device in their garage or like in their basement or something and i i didn't really understand the description but this is how i imagined it so it's like a wooden like um like a wooden thing across across the like ceiling of it with holes in it that you could attach like rope or something to and then put a person in it yeah person's neck in it you see what i mean yeah um so they used that on oh, her. So she oh. likely died of suffocation or strangulation. Because oh. as I say, you could put like rope in it to make a noose or a bag. Or to, oh, so it's like yeah. a bondage beam kind of thing where they like... Sort of. But less, beam, that was the word I was looking like for. Like a beam. Like a, a wooden beam. <laughs> yeah, it with holes in holes, it. Holes drilled into it. Did they so use it? Could, like, did they use it to like as like a sexual thing as well as like a murder thing or was it I don't think so because all of that stuff was done in Rose's room Um, so it's probably just the murder pole (laughs) yeah it's just the murder pole Mm. Um, her body was dismembered and buried under the garage yeah five murder bodies were found in the cellar between 
November 73 and April 75. So I think that's like the time frame, not like one was found in 73 and then another was found in 74. Like, I think that was just like the time periods that they died and then they yeah. found them all later. Right, okay. Um, so the first one was 15-year-old Carol Ann Cooper, who was abducted and likely ki- killed in a similar way to... Um, I forgot her name, it's really bad. Carol. No. Yeah. No, he's likely killed in the same way as. Why have I forgotten? Oh my god! Jesus Christ! Right, okay. Let me just Linda. Give it a minute. Right, okay. <laughs> um, and all the other victims were aged between fifteen and twenty-one. Mm. Each was um abused more than the last, so mm. tortured before death. The next murder after that, after those five was in May 1978, which was a pregnant 18-year-old girl called Shirley Robinson. Yeah. Um, killed in the, probably the exact same way, obviously we'll never know for sure, but the unborn baby was removed oh. and her oh. bones missing. They used a cover story that she'd moved to West Germany to be with her dad. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so the final sexual base recorded murder that there is was in August 1979. I know it's jumping. No, it's not. Was it? I don't know. No, it's not. Um, which was 16-year-old Alison Chambers, who was a living nanny for all the kids. Mm. Um, and she was killed after living there for a few weeks. Um, there was a cover story. That's all they did. They just made cover stories for it. And oh I can't remember God. what that cover story was. Oh, duh. I think she, they made it so that she like, moved like posts or moved to a different family or something like that. This is the most upsetting thing I've ever heard. In my are you life. enjoying this? I already hope you are. No. <laughs> I just... I am I'm enjoying it. pleasure out of it, but I, I just love all the... Oh, no, I don't. This is so upsetting. This is so I bad. love being upset. Anyway, after this, after these murders of, like, random women, um, Fred said that he wanted to impregnate Heather and May, so no. his eldest daughters with Rose. Yeah. And that Stephen should sleep with his mother by the time he turns 18. I don't think he did, because I think he got turned out when he was 17. But um, obviously, all this abuse really messed Heather up. Um, and because she wasn't enjoying like everything that was happening, her parents thought she might have been a lesbian. Honestly, same. <laughs> <laughs> And Rose took enjoyment out of her distress. So she she wouldn't, like, sleep. She would, like, like chew all of her nails off until they bled. She I don't know if she self-harmed, but I imagine she probably did. You know, all these sorts of things that are, like, quite not, like, typical of, like, PTSD and trauma and yeah. stuff like that. Um, they later murdered Heather. Oh, I thought she was going to survive. No, um, <laughs> but they told that that cover story was that they told people she got a job in Torquay, so had moved down to Torquay. This is near the end of the, this is when they start to get like a right, like mm-hmm. when people start to like Messy. clock on. Yeah, they're not yeah. as good as they think they are. So they're I don't know if this is their youngest daughter, but. One of their younger daughters, Louise, when she started to be raped, she told friends at school. Um, even though they'd said the whole like line along, you know, you can't tell anyone. This is just something that happens in families. 
you know, but don't tell anyone, blah, blah, blah. She told friends at school whose parents then informed the police. Kids were obviously put into foster care, like, ASAP, and the house was searched. However, the case collapsed in June 1993. What? It's so so annoying, isn't it? When Anne-Marie and Louise declined to testify, with Louise wanting to return back to the family. I remember listening to a podcast about this, and this... Oh, this moment. Oh, it gets me so mad. It's so annoying. Yeah. Um, The kids remained in care um, because clearly couldn't be trusted. Um, But the police wanted to search the house again after they realised that there was a disappearance of Charmaine and Catherine and Heather. Because I don't... They were listed as missing people, I think. Mm. But, like, nothing had been done about it. Like, kind of been dead and buried. (laughs) No pun intended. Oh. No. So then they started to put all like the puzzle pieces together, like, well, where's Heather? And they tried to look for her in Torquay and couldn't find her. And then they were like, where's Charmaine? And where's Catherine? And oh, they were like, shit. oh. So they were just thinking about it. Um, and obviously, Fred and Rose refused any like responsibility. They just said that they moved elsewhere. And, you know, they were basically telling the same cover story they've been telling the whole time. Mm-hmm. Whole time? Yeah. The next morning, Fred confessed <gasps> to manslaughter, but only of Heather. Oh. oh. However, he then, he then was like, oh, you can dig up the garden. And he showed them exactly where to dig. However, they, started, <laughs> however, they started digging yeah. where he didn't want them to dig. Right? Of course so they, they found, do that. So they found Heather. Hmm. They then found a third thigh bone, which is obviously making them think there's another person here. There's another thigh here. Yes. Um, so they started to think about other disappearances of wi- women and other, you know, like all the other girls I mentioned, like the ba- the nannies and stuff. Rose was then arrested in April 1994, initially for the rape of an 11-year-old girl and assaulting an 8-year-old boy back in the 70s. Mm. Um, She was questioned about the other murders that she'd done with Fred, and she was charged for them. Both were charged for five counts of murder. Fred killed himself in 95, but she's still alive. I feel like I went through that really quickly. That's so good. Do you, are you? Is that all I your love notes? That. Jesus. And I have got a book that I haven't read yet. Um, Isn't there a lot of like? Because she obviously, because she's still alive, she can kind of make out it to be what she wants it to be, kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like a lot more will be. I feel like a lot has been revealed, but I feel like a lot more could be revealed once they both die and the kids yeah. have like full reign. Oh, but I do have a book. Um, that I haven't read yet, but I will get around to reading it called Inside 25 Cromwell Street. Yeah. So I'll let you know how that is. Well, I'll quickly tell you why it's one of my favourite murders. So I just, I find murders with like background stories like that really interesting, where it's like um, the parents were abused and then their parents are abused, and it's kind of like I really like the psychology behind it. Do you think you're more into serial killers or singular killers? I know you've probably kind of said it, but like, do you think that's more? Yeah. Why? Tell us why. Because there's obviously, 
you know, I feel like one murder could be seen as a mistake, but like a serial killer who murders multiple, mm. multiple, multiple people, like they're doing that with an act of choice. And as I said, like I really like the psychology behind it and thinking about like what makes them tick and like, oh, I just find it so interesting. I think you'd be a great police officer. Like, not even like joking, but I think you'd be a really good like crime investigator. Maybe that's what we've born to do. Maybe this whole podcast Maybe. will turn into a true crime podcast and we'll actually like find our new calling. We'll just like oh talk about God. murder this all the time. This is it. So yeah, if you did want a part two, let us know. Let us know. Because I've really enjoyed this. Yeah. I have a question for you. What do you think? Like, I know that we've like discussed our favourite murders, but what was the murder that got you into like true crime? What was the true crime or like murder that got you into it? Like, what was the thing that like, um, I think it might have been the Moore's murders. Yeah. No. Or was it Jack the Ripper? I don't know. I feel like we learned about one of or both I feel like I learned about both of them at school and then it kind of like got me hooked. Yeah. But I can't remember which one I learned about first. So See, it could be Jack the Ripper or the Moore's murders. I remember learning about the Moore's murders and the West one in school. I don't know whether I learned about it. I think it was in English. It wouldn't have been history. It might have been history. I don't think it would. I, I don't learned about Jack the Ripper in history. I did a seven-page essay on him when I was like twelve. Jesus Christ! <laughs> but um, the I remember watching. Mine is like a fictional one. I remember watching. You know the Lovely Bones. Yes. Oh my god, I've read that, it. I remember I watching. I've read that as well. I remember watching the film of it and being traumatized as a child, and then just being obsessed with murder from then I on. I haven't seen the film. It's so horrifying. Google. I, I actually found the book. I found some parts of the book really like eye-opening and really like true, and like, I could really like believe it. But then there were other yeah. parts of the book that I was like. Notice this. I'm going to see yeah. if I can find the DVD on eBay. Sometimes, like, reading the book, I was... Because, obviously, I find I struggle a bit more with reading than other people do, but I do love a good book, and I, I read yeah. so much. But, like, reading the book, I was just like, I have no idea what she's saying. Like, all the words, like, what is yeah, going on Yeah, I feel like it's really old-fashioned as well. Like, it, I feel like if yeah. it was rewritten in 2020, it would be completely different. But I think, because it, it's... Isn't it like a about like the eighties, seventies, or the eighties or something? I don't remember what like time yeah. it is. It's quite old fashioned, but like some of the Everything words, I think I was just like, I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm really dyslexic. You should write this better, please. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that. I don't no, know. No, I did find saying. some of it. I actually find this is going off on a whole other tangent about reading. But nice. I actually find like Dickens easy to read in that book. I don't. I literally. I I'm trying to read Jane Eyre, and I've got like that much through it and i already i'm just like my brain can't deal with it because i really love um like traditional literature like i just absolutely like dickens austin i love it all yeah but i have to be in the right frame of mind to read it yeah see i can't i'm just dumb i'm too dumb to do that (laughs) i chose english literature and i can't read fucking old books like literally frankenstein (laughs) was torture i was like reading it i was like yeah, no, I didn't like Frankenstein, to be fair. No. I do like the storyline of Frankenstein, but the reading of Frankenstein was horrific. I was there, no, like, I, I cannot like tell. Line. I can't tell my my Ds from my Bs, and you're using, like, 50 of them in the same fucking word, and then you're mixing up <laughs> the words in the order they're not supposed to be in, and I'm already putting them in an order they're not supposed to be in. So what is going on here, sis? What is happening? I don't know what it's you're the, saying. It's the long sentences that they used back then as well, I think, is yeah. the issue. Although I do like a good 
poet. I do like a good romantic poet. We stand. I actually hate poetry. Just going to put it out there. Love poetry. I think I'm the only the only poetry book I own and have read and have enjoyed is T. S. Eliot's. Um, oh my god, I completely forgotten what it's called, but it's what what Cats is based on. Really. Oh yeah, I'll lend it to you if you like. Please, oh, you I've need got to, to read... look it up now. It's so annoying. I know it's not really very like intricate poetry, but you need to read Milk and Honey because I'm a basic <gasps> bitch and I love Milk and Honey. Okay, so it's called T.S. Eliot's Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, and it's I really sweet. I love a good cat book. I love a good cat. Anyway, we've gone on a anyway, tangent, but yeah, yeah that was all about, about murder. That, that was our I special really murder. I really enjoyed that. Sorry, if it was long again. We just can't stop talking at the moment. Oh, we can't. Have you got any recommendations, or are you just you know, so? My recommendation would probably be every single murder documentary on, <laughs> on Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> Go um, watch them. I, we'll put up our list on our Instagram. Yes, one hundred percent. My absolute favourites, which we may speak about in like further murder episodes of Making a Murderer, obviously. Yes. Um, I couldn't get into that one very much though, to be honest with you. Yeah, but that's because you're stupid. Like, yeah, um, that's <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, the disappearance of Madeline McCann, but I will say the disappearance of Madeline McCann is an eight-parter. Only watch if you're like really like me, like really obsessed and. Um, in, into that. Madeline McCann because it does go into a lot of details so I think a lot of people will get bored of I watched the full um, thing but then I was just like you could watch two episodes and save yourself the trouble like, <laughs> yeah exactly like you don't really learn anything new but it's no. interesting yeah. um, oh my god there are so many that I've watched yeah we're going to leave a list what's your, what's your recommendations I like the Ted Bundy tapes that one yes oh my uh, god there's a true uh, crime one that I really like, and I can't remember what it's called. Also, wow. I really like old murders. I'm not bothered about new ones. Like, the ones are like 60s, 70s, 80s. Those are, I like those ones. I feel like modern murders are less exciting. That sounds really awful. They're not supposed to be exciting, and no one should be murdering anyone. But they're not <laughs> yeah. as, like... Um, Juicy. Juicy. Using the word juicy for a murder. <laughs> not as juicy. They're not as blood filled. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. Oh, the, um, no, I can't remember what it is. I hate the Tiger King documentary, though. Don't watch the Tiger King documentary. It's fucking stupid. It's so dumb. Don't watch it. I want to watch it because everyone's raving about it, but I don't know if I like it. It's the stupidest thing. I watch like. 20 minutes I, I don't know whether it's episodes or something but because i didn't even stick around long enough to realize it but i watched 20 minutes of it and i was like this is fucking bullshit they are making out this man to be this legend when he's just an animal abuser he's a twat he's a knob jockey he's oh my god wank i feel like I'm we so need sorry. to like give our opinions about it like once i've watched it further episode on a rant about tiger king we i think we should do a netflix um review episode yeah review things off netflix oh my god yes that'd be so fun we could yes. even do it drunk, drunk yes. yes yes right okay. okay i think that's everything anything that else you everything. want to I, put I, out I, there i haven't got anything to be honest with you other than um stay safe be kind also be kind. where can they find us you can find us at um <laughs> at bb underscore podcast on instagram and you can contact us by email rachel at actually it's not at but you can contact our email um on busty babes podcast at hotmail.com 
com. Don't forget to let us know your favourite murders, your Please. recommendation for murder and true crime documentaries. Please. We're all in for it. And if you want a part two, let us know. We'll probably record it anyway and completely ignore what you say. But yeah. yeah, we don't care about your opinions. But thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with it. Thank you, sis. Right, I'm going to s- stop recording. Wow, oh my god, I just saw my neighbour throw his trousers over the fence. <laughs> oh no, it wasn't his trousers, it was the tiling from his shed. It's okay. <laughs> that was a weird moment. <laughs> the moment when your neighbour just lobs his trousers over, he's pressing to be a stripper. He's just killed someone! <laughs> <laughs> Murderer, psychopath confirmed. I don't think that neighbour likes us. Well, that's why you Sorry, I'm just staring at trousers out there. I know. Look what you can't have. I don't <laughs> want that. My penis. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> I should have been. <laughs> Je m'appelle Joey. Je m'appelle. Je m'appelle. Je m'appelle. Je m'appelle. Je m'appelle. Je m'appelle.